Today is Friday, April 21st, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The citizens of Taiwan issue a stark warning to China. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. You can subscribe. You can leave a rating. You can share it with a friend. I tell you this each and every day. If you haven't done it yet, what are you waiting for? Send us your thoughts. Email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. We love hearing from you. Chime in with whatever, whatever's going on. We'd love to hear it. We're thankful you're here each and every weekday morning at 7 a.m. as we go through the news of the Cray. And joining me as always on this Friday, Billy Hallowell, Trey Gones Phillips. What's up, fellas? What's going on? Well, well, I'm hydrated and happy today. I'm drinking <laughs> a lot of water. There you so. go. My wife told me it's recommended now to drink 64 ounces of water a day. Yeah. When we were kids, when I was a kid in the 90s, it was like, you got your sip of water from the water fountain and that was your allotment for the day. You're good to go. Now everyone's like, I need 400 gallons of water a day just to survive. I don't know. I didn't really deal. I didn't really deal with water in the past, but now <laughs> yeah, I'm crying. I'm getting older. I should. I should. I'm hitting the uh, half century mark here. So anyway, what do we have coming up on the uh, focus story today, fellas? Well, I had a chance to sit down with actor Sean Patrick Flannery. He's in Nefarious, and we talked about belief and why he sort of struggles, or I guess responds to people who, who struggle with belief. Yeah. Uh, so pretty interesting comments. All right. Now, the main thing, we've got some crazy gang activity that was happening in El Salvador, and they went on a massive roundup. We're talking 64,000 arrests, and it's like gone, completely gone. But... Was there collateral damage? John Stolness has the details on that and an interesting uh, main thing. But first, we're going to go through the news here in 90 seconds. Elon Musk's early test launch of the Dear Moon mission ended in a spectacular explosion yesterday. But that's not dooming the spirits or the confidence of those scheduled to take part in that mission. One person who's among the eight, quote, artists and creatives expected to go on the mission said he understood that this was just an early test flight and he's still excited to try and travel around the moon citizens of taiwan tell the chinese communist government leadership to think twice about attacking us as the island's residents are preparing for a possible invasion by their superpower neighbor many are already taking up arms in case they need to defend their island you can read more on that over at cbnnews.com and the former director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, told a House committee earlier this week that a leak of COVID-19 from a laboratory in Wuhan, China, is the, quote, only credible explanation for the pandemic that killed millions of people worldwide. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. So, all right, I, we got to take a straw poll here, guys. You're scheduled to go on the Dear Moon mission. The test flight explodes in a spectacular explosion. How you feeling? I mean, why do we need... I don't have any <laughs> urge. I am so glad there are people who want to go to the moon. They train for it. They're excited for it. Or want to go into space. I have no urge. I barely can handle this space that I'm here in now. So, like, I'm good. I don't... I, don't, I mean, I, a, a I trip to Walmart is is yeah. is too much for one yeah. day. We don't need a trip to the moon. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, but seriously, are you, are you like, are you going, um, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll see if one of the alternates wants to fill my spot here when the, I was doing that without the explosion. Right. Yes, so yeah, you're, going. you don't even, yeah, okay. Yeah. You're, you're out. 
You're completely out. I do think, I mean, that'd be pretty cool. It would be, oh, it'd cool. be unbelievable. Would it? Would it? Yes, it would be yes. absolutely awesome. Flying you around the moon would be an unbelievable experience until you explode. I don't, I don't see it. But I don't need it. With it exploding, I think I would, um, I'd sell my ticket on Ticketmaster or something. Wow. Black space and a giant rock. Exciting. I mean, I, I just Listen don't. Listen to Billy. Billy. Un- only God's okay. creation. Which right. Is incredible. God right. God created it far away. And I'm sure he's happy it's there and that we're here. I just don't. I mean, look, if it's going to cure cancer or something, that's great. Let's go. But otherwise, why? Billy. Right. If oh, you'd like is... to cancel Billy Hallowell, his email is. Well, just send there that. are others like me. There are others like. Well, me. I'd like to. I'm mean, interested to hear that. I mean, because I, I have you got you guys have been to the have you been to the Creation Museum, Billy? I'm, I think you have. Just the uh, Ark, not the museum. Oh, not the museum. The museum is fantastic. Um, Ken Ham's Answers in Genesis, the Creation Museum. It's near the Ark. They're not on the same property. They're about a half hour apart. But they have one of those uh, planetariums, and it takes you on this whole. <laughs> A journey through the galaxy and through the universe. It's awe-inspiring. Until you've already seen it, making my point, why go? Well, okay. <laughs> Perhaps we've belabored this point a little bit too much, but <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to the next story here, into our focus story. And Sean Patrick Flannery, the star of the new horror thriller film, Nefarious, has an interesting reaction to people who say they can't embrace faith and belief because they're unable to, quote, explain it. So tell me tell me what's going on here. Hey, he said he often encounters people who they'll say, look, I just, I can't, I can't believe because I can't explain any of it. So I'm just going to choose not to believe, right? There's no <laughs> rational explanation. I'm going to choose not to believe. And he actually said for him, that's exactly why he believes, because he can't explain it. And he went on to sort of talk about these different things in life. And I'm going to read you the quote because it's, it's a really interesting, he's an interesting guy and it's an intriguing quote. He said, I can't explain a self-moisturizing autofocus eye coming into existence simply because two rocks banged into each other. <laughs> and then he's like, us sitting here by random chance is about as likely as the assemblage of a Boeing 747 from a tornado whirling through a junkyard. He's basically <laughs> saying, like, it would be like a tornado picking up all this trash and it shoots out a Boeing 747 on its own, right? It doesn't make any sense that we would have these complexities, right? Yeah, the order um, order out of chaos. Exactly. And, you know, he also talked about the fact that He's getting older. He's reached a point in his life where he feels like his convictions are probably, you know, more well-rooted than they've ever been. Grew up in in Louisiana and Texas and said that he's felt this way for years, um, but that having kids was also a big catalyst that sort of solidified his worldview um, and also a worldview that really helped him tackle this film nefarious. It's a, it's a difficult subject matter to tackle. Yeah, indeed. And he plays, as you said, difficult, a possessed inmate. Not sure it gets more dif- much more difficult than that. So how did he prepare for it? Yeah, you know, I thought I, I talked to him and Jordan Belfi, both both of them starring in the film, and it was interesting because they they felt like it was a really natural process for them. That the movie was natural, the script was really really well written and crisp. That was the word that Flannery used to describe it. That he was able to really just take the words on the page, and there was no magic to it. You know, no pun intended. He just he went out and he. And he did it. Um, and, you know, he talked, again, a lot about his faith. And I think that faith helped prepare him for that. He understood, you know, I'm assuming very well, good and evil and what that entailed. And with a well-written script and his acting chops, I mean, he's been in a lot of films and, and shows over the years. He was able to bring that role of nefarious to life. 
What um what was there were some weird things that happened on the set. What uh can you describe some of it? Yeah, I mean definitely some really uncommon things. We were at the premiere of the film down in Dallas and it was interesting. A number of priests were walking around and they brought and not just priests but pastors as well. They brought them to the premiere. Um, they, you know, blessed the movie theater before the premiere. Um, and then as they were walking down the red carpet, a couple of the priests and pastors talked about the fact that they were on set as well. And Flannery talked about this. And I thought it was so interesting. Um, they had them there just because they were dealing with the subject matter of evil and possession. And they wanted to make sure that they had faith leaders there to just sort of keep everybody protected, pray over everybody. They had prayer every day while they were filming, which, I think was surprising to some of the actors who hadn't worked on a Christian film set before. Uh, but, but Flannery, you know, also talked about the fact that he didn't feel like he needed that uh, protection, which was kind of interesting in light of his faith. So it's kind of a, it was a fun part of that conversation to hear him sort of say, look, I've been a Christian since I was an infant. Like I grew up in the church. Like I did not feel, he was like, I did not feel it was almost insulting to God for me to feel like I needed to, go overboard and he just felt peace it seemed like throughout the filming based on his personal faith interesting so. interesting so you've been kind of tracking this story you did go down to the premiere what do you what do you think are the big takeaways for this and why people should um consider it or just be you know interested in it or what's the greater impact we're talking about here as far as this being a story yeah i think there's two things the first is that not, this movie is not going to be for everybody. Some people don't like to be scared. It's rated R. It's not for kids. Um, and it's not rated R for the typical reasons a Hollywood movie is rated R. There's difficult subject matter, a couple of scenes that are a little bit violent, but but it's an inmate on death row, right? So um, in looking at all that, though, I would say it's doing something different for faith films. We, we mostly see very positive faith and family-friendly films where, you know, there's a call to, to faith in the middle of the film. There's some sort of life transformation. This is different. This is a, a horror thriller movie that points to the existence of, of evil. So, so there's that. Um, but I think it, the bigger picture here is it gets you thinking deeper about good and evil. It gets you thinking about the world we live in um, during the dialogue, they address a lot of the issues we talk about on this show, right? Um, what What is the enemy's goal? He comes to kill, steal, destroy, and confuse. And so you see that in the movie, um, and you see an, an inner spiritual conflict even with the other character, Dr. James Martin, who's played by by Jordan Belfi. That, that character really struggles with belief, like a lot of people do. So there's a lot to relate to there. Um, definitely, I think, a step an interesting step forward in a new direction for faith films. Yeah, especially when we're in a culture here now that, I mean, Ephesians, of course, tells us we're in a spiritual war. And that's something, again, I think it's very easy to forget as we go through our day to day. But we are in a spiritual war. And this sort of film, I think, really kind of brings that to the forefront. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think it's, it is it is fascinating to see movies like this that uh, address topics like this, because I think it's easy to kind of um, to see these things abstractly, right? To see the spiritual warfare and um, how demons can interact in our world. and uh, But to actually see a film that kind of marries those two things, it takes something in the spiritual realm and shows how it can tangibly potentially impact our day-to-day -day life and something that we see on a regular uh, or stuff that we hear about on a regular basis. Obviously we're not all hearing about inmates on death row on a regular basis, yeah. but um, there are stories that we do hear about from time to time, right? About um, uh, somebody who's on death row. So to think 
could this actually have been a spiritual issue, right? Could it have been a demon? Uh, is that something that we should actually entertain and think about as a possibility? And I think um, stories that bring that conversation to the forefront are fascinating and can be an awesome opportunity for us as believers, right? Because it opens the door to have these faith-based conversations with our friends in a really non-threatening way, right? It's not like you're sitting in a church service. Uh, you know, it's it's not as on the nose as that. It's, it's yeah. a movie that addresses these issues without being preachy so yeah without being, it's a cool opportunity yeah without being preachy and also without being like cartoonish because there's kind of that cartoony sort of character uh, characterization or at least image in our minds about what somebody demon possessed would be like you know doing cartwheels and crawling <laughs> up the walls and all this stuff and you know and it maybe it doesn't look that obvious or that clear all the time and it's and it's more subtle and you know i mean satan's clever he works in ways that usually aren't so blatant and so obvious usually um he kind of sneaks in and gets us in ways that we're not expecting so i think perhaps that's another aspect to this film as well so appreciate appreciate you uh, bringing that one billy and getting those interviews it's it's definitely really interesting stuff so um, advise you all to check out. We'll, we'll put the uh, videos in the description if you want to check those out as well. We're going to head over to the main thing now. And gang activity in El Salvador was at insane levels until they decided to start rounding everyone up that even looked like a criminal. And after 64,000 arrests of people who even just were suspected of engaging in gang-related activity... They say now that, hey, everything's great. And people are saying that, look, it's definitely a lot safer now. But at what cost? How many innocent people were, were gathered up in this? And so as other countries are looking at what El Salvador is doing to clean up the streets, is it a model to follow or is there something really problematic about this? CBN's John Stolness talked to Jose Miguel Cruz, who's the director of research for the Kimberly Green Latin American and Caribbean Center down at Florida International University. That's today's main thing. So, Dr. Cruz, the situation in El Salvador is is really interesting. I don't think it's caught the attention of most Americans. But here in America, the immigration conversation along the southern border is always at the top of the of the headlines. And we know that El Salvadorians are among the, the, the largest group of people from south of the border to to make their way north. And so I thought it was really interesting that over the last year, the situation there has changed significantly. Can you tell us a little bit a little bit about what has transpired with all of the roundups that have gone on over the last year and making it a more stable and secure situation for people living in that country? Well, what has, what has happened is that El Salvador has declared something that they have, the government has called the state of exception. Basically, uh, under this state of exception, basically security forces ha have been arresting gang members or people uh, suspected to be in gangs, uh, many of them. Uh, and that has allowed the government to put a lot of people in, in, in prison and basically remove gangs for uh, from the streets. Now, uh, that also has become a problem because they have also imprisoned a lot of innocent people, right? Uh, but in some way, that has created some sort of uh, security, some sort of security in, in some communities that were 
besieged by gangs in the last five, six years. When you talk about communities who are besieged by gangs, can you describe a little bit of what it was like to live in a town that was dominated by a gang the way most of most, and is it fair to say most towns in El Salvador were, or is it just specifically in the larger cities? Uh, well, most towns, uh, especially in communities, low-income communities, blue-collar uh, blue communities, uh, those were especially, especially affected by gangs, right? In community, middle-class, upper-middle-class, they weren't that as, uh, affected by by guns, just because most of them were gated communities with private security, right? Uh, whereas in those in which there were no private security, uh, guns basically rule, govern those those communities, and they govern uh, imposing extortion to most of the residents, right? Extorting the business. Um, uh, and it was, you know, uh, basically you have to, you have to follow uh, the dictates of, of of the gang of the gang leader in, in those communities. So it's easy to see why residents now are very happy with the situation there. And how how is the the, the president of El Salvador received now? I, I imagine the approval ratings are probably very high. Correct. They're high. They're high in those in in uh, an important sector of the of of the population, right? They are very high, uh, but also it's becoming a problem because, as I said before at the beginning, uh, since this state of exception basically suspends a lot of constitutional guarantees and civil rights of the population. Uh, the security forces also have taken a lot of uh, innocent people, right? Uh, accused them to be gang members, which in reality they 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 aren't, right? So so that's becoming a problem too in many communities because a lot of innocent people is 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 ended up in 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 prison. Right. I know human rights groups are keeping an eye on this very closely and and calling for more to be done because I think it's I've also seen in some other places that it's not. The gang situation in El Salvador, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in, in many Latin American countries, it's it's essentially how you survive as a, as a younger person. And for in many cases, a lot of these people who may have been in gangs didn't necessarily want to be in them, but really felt as if they had no other choice. So you have people maybe who were wrongfully swept up in this and also people who, yes, maybe they were in gangs, but maybe the best place for them is not to be in a maximum security facility where they don't really they never really wanted that life anyway but maybe felt like they had to have that life in order to survive is that accurate yeah yeah that that's uh, that's correct and also there is you know this phenomenon we're seeing in which you know one of the main sort of one of the main mechanism for people who wanted to get out of gangs was, was uh, uh accepting jesus converting into uh, the christian faith right and many of them have done that the problem is that with the state of exception, it doesn't basically it doesn't take that into account, and 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 in many cases, the police just take any any person who had a sort of uh, a record of have or, or, or belonging to a gang, although many of them are now you know are now they they have retired from the gang, they have they have left the gang, and now they are now part of churches. 
and many churches in, in, in El Salvador are having the problem that many of their people, uh, especially those who have some kind of work, community work in those areas are being affected by the state of exception because uh, uh, because some of their people have been have ended up in prison, although they have abandoned gangs uh, some years ago, even some some months ago. So so we're seeing those kind of situations too, right? So so yes, yeah. How likely is the situation the way it is right now to stay that way? Are, are there are there mechanisms by which some of these gang members will be let out? Is is the president, uh, does he have a firm hold on his his position as the as the head of the country? And and is the situation that's been happening there for the last year does it look like it's stable and will remain this way for some time? It seems that he's going to remain this uh, that way uh, or this way for some time, right? The president has. Uh, indicated that he intends to keep the state of exception for 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 some more months. Uh, we don't know exactly where he will uh, he will uh, change that. Uh, the issue is that um, that given the conditions, you know, the economic conditions in El Salvador. Remember, El Salvador is one of the poorest countries in the in the hemisphere in the Americas. So you also need you have a lot of people without opportunities, right? Without uh, proper um, education uh, or, or education opportunities, job opportunities. So you also need to make uh, important investments in in the country, in these communities, in order to change the condition in which many youth uh, many youth have to 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 grow, right? Or have to develop. Uh, and and although the president can keep this situation for some time, you also need to start investing in those communities to to prevent that you know the kids and future potent or potential gang members right won't join the gangs in the future right. So you need to do that at, uh, uh, fairly soon, I will say, in order to to make this a sort of permanent change in the in the in the in the situation of security in El Salvador. Last question for you, uh, Dr. Cruz. The immigration aspect of this, I think, is something that a, a lot of people will care about. And forgive me if you don't if you don't have a, an answer for this, but do you have a sense for how this is affecting El Salvadorians coming to America? Do we find do, do we know if more people are staying given the security situation has improved or is it not really had a whole lot of an effect that's a great question john and, and it's difficult to anticipate what is what is happening or what is going to happen what we know is certainly that some of the motivation for some people coming to the u.s because of security because of gangs basically have uh, some of those conditions have have been reduced in the last in the last year at the same time we know uh because of some some uh, some testimonies of people who still are leaving the country because they fear the actions by the by by the security forces especially those who who they say they are innocent people they have nothing they don't have a criminal record but still being targeted by by the security forces, given sort of the the scope of this of this approach, right, or the or the intensity in which the government has decided to go 
against against some 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 gangs, right? And 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 some people, as I said, even those those who who, who were in programs on on rehabilitation programs, right, who have left the gang and no and no longer are in any way related to to gangs, they are they have. They have some fear. They are afraid that they will be targeted by the government, and they're still deciding to to get out of the of the country. Well, there certainly are a lot of moving pieces here, and so we'll exactly. keep we will keep an eye on this uh, over the next few months and see what develops. But Dr. Cruz, thank you so much for your expertise, and thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, John, appreciate that conversation there. Very interesting topic for sure. Obviously, with all the border concerns we have, it's front and center on many Americans' minds on what to do with that. And that leaves us with time here for one last thing. So we're going to look at 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around looking uh, <clears throat> prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. I think what an important uh, thing to keep in mind, because the issues that we talk about on this podcast or that we all deal with in our daily lives can be so complex and it can be easy to get tricked into believing things that are not true. Mm. Yeah. And that imagery of just the, the devil just constantly prowling. Right. I mean, I think, again, we go through our day to day, we get lazy, like, but but the devil is prowling and looking for someone to devour. That, just that imagery alone should should sort of get you get you kind of on alert and ready to go. Well, and like we don't want to be fixated on the devil, but I think having that reminder, like we're talking about it right now, is important. And the fact that a lot of times we don't think about that. It's yeah. just, yeah, that, that imagery really does kind of shock you back into being alert and making sure you're on track and on par with where you should be. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're not thinking about the, the spiritual war that we mentioned earlier from Ephesians, when you're not thinking about that, then that's when we get distracted on all the other things of the world, the distractions of the world, the anxieties of the world that really don't have much bearing, a lot of them, on our eternity. So definitely a good reminder. Thanks for that verse, Trey. And Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We'll be back here Monday with more. God bless. Hope you have a fantastic weekend.